everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So I hope that 2023 is going well so far for you guys. You know, this is a time of year where people will set a lot of goals and list out the things that they'd like to see happen uh, in the upcoming year, because as we know, um, a a lot of stuff can happen in the course of a year. And what we're going to talk about today is something that will most certainly happen uh, in the course of this year, as, as in every other year, whether we plan for it or not. And what that is, is we will experience pressure. We will experience internal pressures and external pressures. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. I'm, I'm just kidding, obviously. <laughs> no, I know it's not necessarily the most encouraging way to start an episode, but if you do what we talk about today, if you, if you apply what we're going to talk about today, the, the biblical principles we're going to see, then, then these pressures uh, can be handled and navigated in a, in a great biblical way that will actually bring you closer to the Lord and uh, teach us to abide in him in an even better and stronger way. So like I said, these pressures can be internal or external, and frequently they're both, but not necessarily always. Sometimes there are things that would be like external pressures, actual circumstances, but internally we're, we're at peace. And you know that's you could call that peace amidst trials or, or something like that. And then the inverse is sometimes true. Sometimes there's this internal pressure where there's nothing externally actually happening and it's largely imagined or hypothetical and we just call that anxiety but a lot of times they go hand in hand we will feel the internal pressure from things that are happening externally in our lives around us now these pressures can be simple daily mundane things just kind of going through life and and the stuff that you encounter or they could be really big things and and you know everything in between and like i said the course over the course of 12 months a lot can happen and so i don't know what's going to happen in all of our lives uh the in, in the next 12 months but i know that on some level we will experience pressures I mean, we will. It's just, and again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying huge, crazy things, although possibly, but at least just on some level we will, which means this, that what we're about to talk about applies to every single one of us. And you might actually be uh, experiencing pressures even now. You might be uh, feeling stressed, anxious, troubled, um, worried, and all sorts of things. And so I hope that today, in this episode, you walk away with something really constructive to do. Actually, two things. There's going to be two things really constructive to do to know what to do with this. Because, listen, our natural ways of responding to pressures and stress and anxiety, things like that, aren't necessarily constructive or helpful. A lot, you know, some of the natural ways we respond are things like distraction. We just try to distract ourselves from it. Or perhaps we try to control the circumstance or things like that. All sorts of things that we kind of naturally uh, do, you know, when we're scared or things like that, but but aren't actually constructive. But uh, what we're going to talk about today is, like I said, two things. Two things that if you apply these things, it will um, it will really help. They're biblical principles. And so the first thing, when we, when we begin to feel these pressures, I'm just going to jump right into it um, because I don't think I need to do a lot of work convincing you <laughs> Uh, of the reality of of feeling pressured, and you know, before I continue, I will just say I want to have a broad, 
um, definition of this. Like I said, there can be internal pressures, external pressures, frequently a lot of overlap there. And so, I mean, let me include in this definition things like emotional distress, you know, if I'm, you know, lack of peace, um, concern, just, just any, like anything that kind of fall under that sort of, that sort of banner. And so I just want to have it really, really broad. And like I said, this can even be down to the most simple of things. It could be financial pressures, relational pressures, occupational or work related pressures. Um, or it can be something much more deep seated like, uh, unhealed wounds that we've just kind of learned to deal with and things like that, that every now and again, we'll see them manifest themselves in different scenarios. And, and so maybe we just try to avoid the, the scenarios where they, they would manifest themselves, things like that. So I just wanted to kind of broaden our understanding of what it is we're even talking about today. So two things, uh, the two things, the first one is going to be calling out to God or crying out to God. And one of the places where we see this, uh, really clearly, uh, depicted is Psalm 107. Now I'm going to I'm going to touch on Psalm 107 here briefly, but I'm not going to spend that much time on it. And part of the reason why I'm not going to spend that much time on it is because we've already done that in a previous episode, episode number 12, which is entitled "His Steadfast Love Endures Forever." We take a close look at Psalm 107, and so you can certainly go back and uh, listen to that if you want more information about this psalm. So we're just going to touch on a few things here uh, very quickly. So Psalm 107, let's just quickly look at um, a few of the verses here. Uh, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's the first verse of the psalm. And the final verse of the psalm, which is verse 43, says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And so you can already see this is bookended talking about talking, the steadfast, talking about the steadfast love of the Lord. And so that's going to be the theme for this. And the steadfast love for the, of the Lord is going to be the explanation for why he responds to us when we cry out. It's his love. It is his love. Now, um, in this psalm, um, again, for those of you who have heard uh, episode 12, I'm not going to go back all through this, but there are four separate scenarios listed. I mean, the psalm, there's more to the psalm than just this, but in, in the psalm, there are four different scenarios listed, four people, four groups of people who find themselves in adverse circumstances. Some of them are self-inflicted and some of them are not self-inflicted. They just kind of wind up in those things. But it's very important that some are self-inflicted and some are not self-inflicted. And this is why that means this psalm can instruct us when we're feeling pressures, when we're in places of emotional distress, even if we did it to ourselves, even if it's self-inflicted, but also if it's not also just kind of going through life. And so there are these four groups of people, and uh, I'm not going to go through all of their situations. You can go read Psalm 107. However, however, in each of the four scenarios, there are two verses that are repeated verbatim. In each of the four, there are two verses uh, that are said identically. The first verse is Psalm 107, verses 6, 13, um, 19, and 28. And this is what it says. It says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. So they're in these adverse circumstances, self-inflicted or otherwise. They're in these really um, painful scenarios, difficult scenarios. And then what do they do? They cry to the Lord in their trouble, and then what does he do? He delivers them from their distress. 
each of the four scenarios is like a downward spiral until they hit this place where they cry out to God and then things turn around and it's an upward spiral. And so it's, it's really, it's really very cool. Each of the four scenarios have that have these four components. It's the people's circumstances, take them to rock bottom. Uh, that's one. Then two, they cry out to the Lord. Three, the Lord hears and turns things around. And then four, they praise him. And that leads right into the second um, repeated verse in each of these situations, which is this, this is verse, uh, verses eight, um, 15, 21, and then 31. And it says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And so there we see, we have the, the explanation for God uh, delivering them from their distress is the steadfast love of the Lord. And so before going on, I can just say, listen, the Lord loves you. You know, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord loves us. In Christ, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the apostle Paul says. And um, now, if you're not born again, um, you haven't placed your faith or your trust in in Jesus uh, yet, then yes, of course, the Lord loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But, I mean, but the next step would be, you know, repenting and, and trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Um, that that's going to be the next step is uh, bending the knee to King Jesus and following Him, because if Jesus hasn't given us His righteousness, if He hasn't, you know, if we haven't received the gift of His forgiveness and His payment for our sins, which happens whenever we place our faith and trust in Him, and we're born again. Then I mean, the and the wrath of God still abides on us, and this lifetime is the window of time that we have during which we can experience the forgiveness of our sins, and so. Um, I did, I did want to, I did want to say that. And so, um, I just, you know, if you haven't taken that step, I would really, I just say that all I have to say to somebody who has not yet taken the step of, uh, putting their faith and trust in Jesus is that's your next step. And that's all that I have to offer you un- until that happens. In fact, I, I just, I, I didn't, you know, wasn't planning on talking about this, but I have, I recorded an episode, episode 24 entitled the gospel where we talk about, you know, what the gospel is and, and how someone is born again. And so if, if you're in that camp, I would encourage you to go listen to that. So coming back to this scenario, so these people cry to the Lord in their trouble. And, you know, it doesn't say they said a little prayer. It doesn't say, you know, um, like that. It was like they cried out. Like there is desperation behind this. There is, God, you have to move. Like you have to move. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I, I can't do this. I absolutely cannot do this. And then that works itself out into this crying out. Now, um, my uh, the guy who disciples me, one thing he points out when, I talk, when we come to talking about crying out, he says this. He basically says, you know, if you're down the hall and you say you have small children and you hear your kids down the hall and they're just playing or doing their, doing their thing, whatever, you know, and then one of them cries out, like really cries out, like, you know, like they're, they're hurt or something happened. You're moving. Like you're, you're getting down that hall quickly. You are, you're running to them and you're scooping them up in your arms and you're comforting them and you're praying them and you're kissing them and you're telling them it's okay. And if they need any sort of like actual help, you're, you know, you're getting the band aid. you're, you're doing these things and you're, you know, you're just compelled by your love. You're driven down there and you just scoop them up and you hold them, you lay their head on your chest and you just sit there and you rock them back and forth. And it's like, and that's, and his point is that's a picture of the Lord with us. But do we cry to him? 
Do we cry to him or do we just kind of, you know, say little prayers here and there that, you know, our hearts aren't really engaged? Do we desperately seek him? Do we uh, cling to him? Are we desperate for him? And so Psalm 107 shows this, that when we do, he will honor that crying out. He will honor that crying out. When, When we cry out, like, he'll come. In fact, one of the big lessons from Psalm 107 is this. No matter where you are or how you got there, cry to the Lord in your trouble. No matter where you are or how you got there, that's what you need to do. Cry to the Lord in your trouble. That's the response, and that's a major part of the solution. Um, another verse that I really uh, was very meaningful to me that's relevant to this is Psalm 138.3 which says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. And like I said, just like, you know, earthly parents, there's there's not this delay. It says, on the day I called, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. And so I want to point something out. In Psalm 107, the Lord changed their circumstances. In Psalm 138, it says, my strength of soul, you increased. And so I can't say exactly what God is going to do in your specific scenario. I don't know if he's going to change your circumstances. I don't know, uh, like the actual circumstances. It would be foolish of me to say exactly how things are going to unfold. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that because I can't do that with certainty. Um, He may, you know, shift the circumstances, change them. They may um, turn around, um, uh, he may uh, increase your strength of soul. He might strengthen you to be able to walk through it or some combination thereof where he's strengthening your soul and then he's going to remove it at a point, whatever it is. Again, I can't, I can't comment on that. That would be silly of me to try to. My point is this, regardless of what happens, the Lord comes running. He comes running. If it's changing the circumstance, if it's increasing your strength of soul, he comes running. And what you really want What you really want, even if you don't know you want it, is you want Jesus. That's what you want. You want Jesus to scoop you up into his arms and to say, it's going to be okay. I've got you. That's what you want. And so, are you crying out to him? Let me flip over to Psalm 143. This is a psalm that I have not, you know, historically had much experience with at all. Um, I have the version Bible app on my phone, uh, like you you probably do. Um, if you don't, you should download it. It's a, it's a free Bible, like so many different translations. It's on your phone everywhere you go. And one of the things you can do is you can add kind of like a widget on your home screen that will show the verse of the day. And so I happened to look at the verse of the day one day, and it was Psalm 143.8, and it really... Uh, it really spoke to me. It says, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love for in you, I trust make me know the way I should go for to you. I lift up my soul. And I was like, man, that's good. And so then I flipped over to the Psalm and I I read through it and I I was like, the whole thing is incredible. And, uh, it's just phenomenal. And it's a beautiful picture of what it, like what it looks like and sounds like to cry out to the Lord. Um, so I'm sitting here, I'm saying, cry out to God, cry out to God. It can be like, okay, but yeah, what, what does that even look like? What does that mean exactly to, well, first off, it's going to be born out of a posture from the heart. You know, it, it's not just going to be empty words. It's not going to be saying the right thing. It's going to be born out of desperation. And in a moment, I want to talk about how we can maintain that desperation, even when we're not in the trials. Cause you're like, well, okay, that's great. But what about when the trials are gone? I mean, is the desperation going to wane? Um, possibly it's possible that that could happen. I mean, certainly we cry out to God more when we're in the midst of trials. However, 
um, there's a way that we can maintain that desperation uh, even outside of the trials, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Psalm 143, let's go through this and listen to the words of David because this, this is the voice of someone who's crying out. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. That's the end of the psalm. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Like, listen to what he's saying. He, like, you, you feel like, answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Like, don't delay, hurry, hurry, hurry. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. You know, backing up a few verses, the enemy has per, for the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. And I'm just kind of, you know, picking a few verses that we just read here just to, to reiterate them. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. I, and we could, I could just reread the entire thing here. But do you hear it? These are the words of somebody who's crying out to God. These are the words of someone that's saying, Lord, you are my only hope. I'm crying out to you. I am in the midst of great struggle, in the midst of great pressure. I'm facing despair. Lord, you are my only hope. This is not somebody who's trying to, in his own power, fix his circumstances. This is somebody who's desperately looking to God, saying, apart from you, I'm ruined. You're the only one who can give me what I need. And I love how he ends with confidence. He says, and in your steadfast love, there it is again. What's his hope? His hope is the Lord's steadfast love. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. And you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. He doesn't say you might. He doesn't say I hope you will. He says you will. You'll do this. And so, this is David. He's crying out. I mean, the first verse, just the first half of the first verse, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. And just uh, let me let me pull this up. I, I typically read out of the English Standard Version. That's just the translation I normally use. But let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation, just so we can feel this, the feel the weight of it even more, because I, I think I like how it puts it. It puts it just kind of in a bit more, I don't know, everyday vernacular. So let me just go through this again but in the New Living Translation, and just feel this with David and say, and can you relate? I'm certain that you can think of a time that you can. So Psalm uh, 143 in the New Living Translation, Hear my prayer, O Lord, listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial, for no one is innocent before you. 
My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Interlude. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a, on a, fir on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. Listen to that. Listen, come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. That's how Psalm uh, 143, verse 7 is uh, rendered in the New Living Translation. But my point is this. That is the picture of what it looks like for somebody who's crying out to God. And uh, you say, well, I can't just, you know, self-generate that sort of thing. And, and no, I know you can't, which is precisely why I started with this. We're going to face pressures this year. It may not be as intense as, as intense as, you know, um, David describes feeling here. Like, <laughs> you might be like, yeah, I'm struggling, but I don't feel like I'm about to die. Or maybe, maybe you will feel that way. I don't know. I don't know, but my point is this. These pressures, internal and external, are inevitable, and you're going to do something with them. You're going to do something in response to them, and this is how to be constructive. This is how to turn this into something that will actually change you and bring you closer to God, and if you apply this, you are going to go out of 2023 very different than you went into it. You want more out of your walk with the Lord? This is part of it, right? Draw, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you, James 4.8. And so... Um, this is, and this will teach us how to, like Psalm 105, four, it says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, continually. And so this, like these things, when we're going through this, this is, this is teaching us how to cry out to God. This is teaching us how to, to seek him, to really lean on him. Um, Psalm, I'm sorry, not Psalm. I'll just go to Hebrews real quick here. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 says in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That he rewards those who seek him. Listen, if you're crying out to God, if you're clinging desperately to him in prayer, just from these passages alone, I mean, I think we can confidently say he will honor that. And again, I'm talking about real heart stuff here. Real, not just superficial, not just lip service, not just I heard somebody crying out to God one time and these are the words that they use and so I want to copy them to try to get God to do something. No, this comes out of desperation. And so, in a word, what is happening here when we're crying out to God? We are, we're, to use an image from the New Testament, we are abiding in the vine. We're abiding in him. We're abiding in Christ. And uh, just, you know, this I'm getting this, of course, from John 15. Um, 
I just want to share a couple of thoughts about John 15 very quickly here, because again, we could that could be uh, an entire series in and of itself. John 15, this is, you know, Jesus is talking to the 11 disciples because Judas has already left to go betray him. And this is, you know, the night that this is the very night he's going to be arrested. They're on their way to Gethsemane. And then the, the next day will be, of course, his crucifixion. And so in John 15, um, he's talking to his disciples and he gives them this image of um, him being the vine, his father being the vine dresser, and the disciples being the branches. And so I'll just read, um, let me read verses 4 and 5 real quick of John 15. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And so, these are famous verses. These are, you know, the kind of verses that you put on everything. Like, these are just great verses, but there's a reason why they're so popular. And a lot of times, I mean, you guys, we miss so many of the treasures and so many of the joys, um of the word of God, because we don't actually spend time thinking about it and, and, and seeking the Lord to, uh, um, illuminate the scriptures to us, uh, to really open our eyes and to make them real to us. And we're like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. But then we don't actually experience the power of it. And so we need to meditate on the scriptures and, and ask God to really speak to us. But there's a sermon series that I've been listening to. I've listened to it's seven parts long and it is, um, gosh, uh, seven parts long. I've listened to, uh, six of them. And I started the seventh one. I haven't finished it yet, but it's on John 15. And some of the things that this pastor said were so good and they're actually relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, now I want to include just a couple of quotes here. So, you know, you talk about the fruit and the vine, the, the few, the, I'm sorry, the fruit and uh, the vine and the branches and all this sort of stuff. And like I said, when we're crying out to God, what are we doing? We're clinging on to him. We're just holding on to God. We are just reaching out to him and just, just holding on as tightly as we can and, and begging him to move. And so this is a, um, and, and that's, that's a picture of abiding in him. It's, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that prayer is the only way that we abide in him. You know, we, we abide in him through um, meditating on the scriptures and other things as well. But I'm, but I'm just saying this is, this is one big way. And so this pastor, I'm quoting him now. He said, to abide in Jesus is to live in fellowship with him every moment of every day. To abide in Jesus is to live in fellowship with him every moment of every day. And then he defines fruit as this. Fruit is the life of the vine pressed out through the branches. He says, is the life of Jesus in me being lived through me? And so as we cling to God, as we abide in him, as we seek to seek him and cry out to him, we're holding on tightly. We are gripping him. And again, in, in the whole passage with the fruit and the vine, I mean, uh, it's, it's been said by many people that the branch, it's not the branch's job to bear fruit. In that passage, that's not the branch's responsibility. The the vine bears fruit through the branch. Is the branch's sole responsibility to abide in the vine. That's it. You just got to abide in the vine. If a branch stays on the vine, it will bear fruit. It just happens by virtue of being connected to the vine. But it's not the branch's responsibility. It happens through it because the, the vine is living its life through the branches. And so as we, you know, cling to the Lord and stay close to him, and we begin to experience what it's like for him to live his life through us, we're not going to want to go back to the mediocre Christian life that we had beforehand where we're striving in our own power. 
we're not going to want to go back. And so, you know, what drives us to this um, crying out to God a lot of times is this desperation. It is, uh, you know, agony from some sort of circumstance. But then, you know, as a result of that, we really begin to... um, oh gosh, just like experience him living his life through us in a way. And we're like, oh man. And then we become desperate for that. And then we're like, I, I want, I don't want to go back. I want to experience that. I want my life to be like it was in that scenario. And so now we're desperate for the Lord, not because of, um, our circumstances, but because we want him because we want him to live his life through us. We want that intimacy with him. You know, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what we're talking about. This, this um, I mean, my mentor puts it this way, the exchanged life, the exchanged life where Jesus lives his life through me. Um, Paul in, in Colossians 1.27 talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. And it's this reality, this awareness that Jesus lives inside and he will live his life through us and we just need to abide in him. There is um, a book I'm reading. Um, I'm not too far through it right now, but it's um, Whispers by Mark Batterson. I'm just a few chapters in and he talks about how um, the uh, when he was a kid, or not when he was a kid, but when he had small kids, what he would do is he'd play this game with them where he'd whisper and the kids would kind of come in close to try to hear what he was saying. And he'd whisper and he'd whisper and they'd come in close. And then he'd take that opportunity to wrap his arms around him, right? Give him this big hug. And then he goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he goes on to say, the Lord does the same thing with us. The Lord does the same thing with us. And so I just want to suggest to you, it's like, you know, we come, you know, seeking the Lord because of some sort of felt need, some sort of circumstance that we're in, where there's some sort of agony or pressure or something like like that. We come seeking the Lord for answers or for wisdom or for guidance and all those things are good. And the Lord, you know, will strengthen us and in, in, in all this and, and he will um, meet us and he and he'll give us the wisdom. He's promised to give the wisdom in places like James 1, 5 and 6, you know, when we ask in faith. But not just that. He also wraps his arms around us. He wraps his arms around us. And so, I'll just give you an example about this uh, from my own life really quickly. Uh, Just a bit of realization the Lord gave me. So, I found out um, recently that I was teaching at Mentoring Men for the Master because my boss was sick. And um, he had been sick earlier in the week, but then I thought it was going to work out. And so, I found out, uh, there's two meetings we have. So, I found out the day before the first meeting um, that I was going to be teaching. And my first response was not like, sweet. My first response was, I was frustrated. I was angry. You know, I was like, I was like, I don't want to teach and, uh, all this sort of stuff. And part of that's because I was feeling the pressure. I was feeling, um, this, this isn't, you know, what I had in view for today. And, and I, you know, I, I'm going to have to try to prepare something and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and, uh, and, and Lacey, Lacey very wisely, um, counseled me to basically don't worry about preparing something, just go be with Jesus. And if, for those of you who teach, those of you who lead small groups, I just want to pause and say that to you. Don't worry so much about preparing something, just go be with Jesus. And this is why when I went and did that and spent an extended period of time, I cleared out my schedule for the rest of the day and I spent an extended period of time just with Jesus, um, I feel like the Lord brought up Matthew seven twenty eight and twenty nine, 
And so just bear with me. This is all relevant. I'm just sharing a personal testimony. And it says this. um, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And this, of course, comes right on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. And it says that people were astonished at his teaching. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And the scribes would have been like the the supposed experts, right? But he had authority. And then this is what I feel like the Lord showed me. He's, it was the, is the reality that that teacher, Jesus, the, the one who astonished people at his teaching and he, who, had, who had authority, the people were astonished because he taught with authority, that teacher lives in me. He lives in me. And so my responsibility is not to go and prepare a good message. My responsibility is to abide in the vine. And that teacher lives in you if you're born again, if you've placed your faith and trust in him. And, and again, if you haven't, you could do that today. You could do that today and he'll come to live inside of you. And so that's just the example of teaching. But what about all the other aspects of the Christian life? Loving others, being patient and all these sorts of things. It's like, do you just need to you know, grit your teeth and try to be more loving? It's like, well, that at best is going to produce some external behaviors, but not actual internal heart change. It's like, no, no, no. What you need to do is you need to abide in the vine and let him bear his fruit, his fruit through you. You just need to abide in him. And when we start to let Jesus live through us, and I say, let Jesus, it's not that we, you know, have any, any power over him, but he invites us to cooperate with him. We're commanded to abide in the vine. Right. And so, but when we, we, when we're abiding in the, in the vine, he will live his life through us. He will love through us. He will teach through us. He will do all of this through us. And so that, like I said earlier, I said I was going to mention how we can maintain that sort of desperation where we're seeking him and crying out to him and things like that. That is how we can maintain that desperation because we want that every single day. We don't want to try to go through the Christian life in our own power. And we know that just like he said, apart from him, we can do nothing. Here's something that I wrote while thinking about this. I wrote, um, I need Jesus to live the Christian life through me. I need him to teach through me. I need him to love through me. I'm not the source. He is. I'm just the conduit. I can do none of these things without him. My best attempts would just be cheap, ineffective counterfeits. However, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that thing right there, our best attempts are cheap, ineffective counterfeits. Without him, we need him to live his life through us. And so we'll be desperate for that. And also this, I mean, and this is, this is perhaps, you know, even the highest thing, which is, you know, when the Lord comes in and scoops us up, it's like, we will just experience his love, like the steadfast love of the Lord. And the scriptures say we love because he first loved us. We will just be, I think, wooed by that love. We'll be so moved by the love of God. We'll just be drawn in by that. And our just we'll just be drawn in by this reciprocal love, this desire to be near him because we love him. Not just because we want or need him to do something, but just because of this close relationship that we want to have with him because we love him. So that was the first thing. And um, the second thing uh, won't require as much time to talk about, um, but it's but it's also very important. So the first thing is cry to the Lord in your trouble. And the second thing is this, involve others bring others into this process with you. If you're, you know, if you're feeling these pressures, if you're feeling strain, if you're feeling anxious, worried, frustrated, angry, depressed, any of these things, bring in others. We are not designed to do this on our own. And, uh, 
And we just say, I mean, they need to be trusted others. I mean, I'm not suggesting you go and just, you know, share, uh, you know, all your struggles and stressors and all these things with any given person that you just encounter. No, that's, that's not wisdom. That's, that's actually just kind of foolish, really. But who are the people in your life who love the Lord? Who are the people in your life that are really seeking him? Who are the people that God has placed into your life to help you and for you to help them? One of the passages that comes to mind about this topic is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It's a pretty popular passage. It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Something else that comes to mind that's um, a beautiful image of what we're talking about is the paralyzed man in the Gospels. His friends, what did they do? They carried him to Jesus. They ripped a hole in the roof and they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. I want those friends. I want those people in my life. I want those people that will do whatever is necessary to get me to Jesus like they will vandalize. They'll rip a hole in the roof just to get me close to Jesus. And here's the thing about the paralyzed man. Like he needed the help. And, you know, sometimes we're on that mat. Sometimes others are on that mat. But we're, you know, we're never going to like, like we always need people in our lives and lives. And sometimes we're going to be on that mat and we need people to carry us to Jesus. And so for our part, we're crying out to God and we're seeking him, but we need to involve other people in this process. This is, um, which can, I mean, can be vulnerable, can be scary, can of course be intimidating. But let me just say, remember the scriptures say that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, uh, you know, and Jesus said, uh, actually multiple times he said in, in one way or another, he said, I'm just flipping to Matthew 23, 12 right now to, to, to quote it verbatim here. He said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And the act of bringing other people into this, it's humbling. It's humbling. It's saying, I don't have it all together. I'm feeling pressures. I'm struggling with stuff. I need help. I need encouragement. I need guidance. I need prayers. I need people who will bring me to Jesus. And so, I mean, think about this just for a second. Think about if the paralyzed man was trying to get to Jesus on his own. It's a pitiful image. Think about this guy. On his, on his stomach, on the ground, trying to drag himself forward with his arms. Think about how much longer it would take him to get anywhere. Think about how much more energy it would take for him to just move the short distance that his friends could have carried him if they had worked together and if he had asked for help. You know, so we're all paralyzed at times and we all need Jesus to heal us and we need to be brought to him. And then even think about this with the illustration. Suppose he had one person, just one. And so it's like, okay, he's laying on the mat, but this person's got like one corner of the mat. I mean, that person's, you know, struggling. He's still getting dragged across the ground. You know what I mean? It's like, but if you have somebody holding each of the corners of the mat, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that four is like the prime number of people. Although, I mean, maybe it is a good number. I, I don't know. But my point is just this. We need a, a group of people in our corner not just one. We need a group of people in our corner that we really trust. And I'm not talking about, oh yeah, I go to small group with them or things like that. No, I'm talking about real vulnerability. I'm talking about mask off. I'm talking about being honest about where you are and asking for help. I, and I'm talking about 
just bringing other people in. We need other people who who will bring us. And you know, there's there have been times where, like uh, in my own life, where it's just like, no, I've either um, tried to do it solo, or uh, maybe have one other person, or or maybe two. Um, all the while, there were God that there were people that God had placed in my life to to encourage me, to pray for me, um, to help me shoulder things. And I just didn't take advantage of the blessing that God had laid right in front of me. And so um, the Lord has shown me a lot about this. I have at times been like the paralyzed man, you know, on my stomach, kind of trying to pull myself with my arms. Or maybe have one person saying like, all right, get the corner of the mat and drag me to Jesus, you know, sort of thing like that. And just, just, uh, but no, it's like bring people into your corner. And there are plenty of scriptures that we could list uh, just talking about the importance of having others in our lives. I mean, Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Um, Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, you have, uh, or actually, let me, let me also read the NLT, the New Living Translation of that one too, because I really like it. It says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. And then uh, you have James, let's see, I'm just slipping here now, James chapter 5, which says down in verse, I believe, 16, yeah, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's uh, as it is working. And so like I said, I'm not necessarily talking about something sinful right now, because burdens can be self-inflicted via sin and other things, or they can, again, just like we saw in Psalm 107, be the normal thing of life, but I still wanted to include that passage. But the point is this, um, our help comes from the Lord. Our our help comes from from the Lord. Uh, Psalm, let's see here, Psalm 107, Not one, I'm sorry, not Psalm 107, Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So our help comes from the Lord. And if you look through the scriptures, you see God frequently working through people. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is, of course, the one that gives us rest. So just, just in closing, the two things, one, cry to the Lord in our trouble, um, and involve other people in this. Ask them to come alongside us and help us to shoulder the load. Ask them to come alongside us to, to, to grab a corner of the mat and carry me to Jesus to, to intercede on my behalf, on your behalf. And, 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 uh, and also realize that through all of this, like I said, if you apply this, you'll come out of 2023 different than you went in because you will have learned how to abide in Jesus and you'll be clinging on to him, not just because you have to, because you're, you know, pressures and trials, whatever, feel like they're about to kill you, but because you've experienced, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, there's one more additional note that I suppose I just kind of took for granted in this episode, but I do want to say outright, and that's... Um, that is also the importance of the word of God in this process. Now, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 say this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. And so here we have a picture of a person who is... Um, who, well, let's just use the terminology here. It says, uh, 
its leaf does not wither. This is a person who is not at the mercy of external circumstances, who's not being crushed by pressures, right? And well, what's the explanation? Well, this person's delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, that person that we're describing here meditates day and night. And so, um, meditating on the scriptures, we, I'm not going to reteach an episode that we did on this episode seven, meditating on the scriptures, part one, where we talk about how the Holy spirit will take the word of God and illuminate it to us and give it such, and we'll experience such incredible power whenever he does that. But this is just an important and indispensable component of this process as well that I wanted to include here because, uh, you know, I didn't just want to take it for granted. I wanted to say it outright. And so crying out to God in prayer, desperately, desperately clinging on to him, uh, bringing other people into your circle to, to pray with you, to pray for you, to help you, to help you shoulder this and meditating on the word of God day and night, just keeping the scriptures in front of you because the word of God is, is the truth and finding relevant scriptures to whatever it is you're facing. And in Psalm 143, you may be a great place to start as far as, you know, just even uh, when it, when it comes to crying out to God, that's a beautiful model of what that looks like. Um, but I just I just wanted to include this note here at the end, just because um, as I was as I was thinking about it, I just don't want to make any assumptions and for anybody to miss this because meditating on the Word of God day and night is an indispensable component to living the Christian life as it is meant to be lived. And you know we could do entire episodes on that, and we have in the past, and I'm sure we will continue to do so in the future. So um, so cry out to God, bring others into your circle. And think about the scriptures all day, asking the Lord to speak to you through them. And so I hope this has been encouraging to you. I know it's been encouraging to me as the Lord has been showing me this stuff. And I, uh, I look forward to putting all this stuff into practice in 2023 and getting even more uh, trusted others in my corner and, and just uh, really um, leaning into the people that God has placed uh, into, in my life. And I encourage you to do the same and to sit down and ask the Lord to show you who those people are. So thanks so much for listening. I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any and all donations given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, instructions on how to do so can be found at the bottom of the episode description in the footer. And thank you so much to those of you who have given already. All right, until next time, God bless you guys. 